that surpasses all understanding. And we pray, Lord, that your message would go forth through what they are facing. And we ask, Lord, that those who are the persecutors, as Richard said in, in the past, as a video just pointed out, that maybe we ought to look, and hopefully our persecuted brothers and sisters can look at those who are persecuting them, not as the enemy, but as the people that they need to reach. And so, Lord, help us to have your mindset in, in all the difficulties of, of this life. Um, we pray that our brothers and sisters have your mindset as they face intense or slight, whatever the persecution is, that they would have your mindset. We thank you again that we could come together and worship freely. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the remaining minutes, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. And even though I've, I've already preached quite a bit here this morning, and we're going to kind of continue those thoughts, thinking about, you know, th- this was kind of a difficult week. Um, we think about also the comfort we find in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Um, the reality that, that God comforts us, but we can comfort one another with the comfort that He's given us. Even if we're suffering or afflicted, um, God gives us a greater comfort. Um, but there's, there's a list of names possibly. If you, if you would stop and think, who has been instrumental in your lives to draw you to the Lord Jesus Christ and to encourage you in your growth? And who currently could you list that are people that are encouraging you and strengthening you in the Lord Jesus Christ or comforting you in the Lord Jesus Christ? What we find here in Colossians chapter 4 are the servant credits. And I say the credits, they're the ending credits, but these are servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ, servants alongside Paul. They're doing their work, and they may not be known or seen as much as Paul, but they are doing their work for the Lord, and they are very instrumental in the lives of the Colossians, whether the Colossians had met them or not. They are very instrumental in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you follow along as I read, starting at verse 7, Colossians chapter 4, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant, notice all the adjectives here, or the descriptions of each one of these people, okay? Faithful servant and fellow bond servant, notice how. Well, in the Lord. Well, bring you information. That is, he's saying, I want you to know what's going on in my life. He's going to bring you this information. But notice how he describes him. How he describes Tychicus. He's a beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord. That's that's crucial, right? Verse 8, For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, 
couple more descriptive words for Onesimus, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. So while he's trying to tell them about the situation and what's going on in his ministry or, or his suffering that he has, he describes these people that are bringing the information and who, who, what describes them. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, cousin Mark, about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. Barnabas is, sorry, Barnabas's cousin Mark, verse 11, and also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings always, all, uh, sorry, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Herapolis. Luke the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brothers who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans and you for your part read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. So what we have here is, is the end credits. Like when you look at the movie, right? Watch the end of the movie. Nobody watches it. Some movies, they used to. As they began, they would tell you a lot of information who was involved in the movie. And they'd have this long song. You're like, are we ever going to get to the movie? And then at the end, I mean, how many of you sit there and watch the end credits? But for us here in Colossians, it's important. These are crucial. And and it's not just the end credits. These are servant credits, those who are serving the Lord. And, And so here at the end of Colossians, we have, like the end of the movie, the rolling credits. These credits are important because These are relationships, relationships that are crucial. Those in ministry who have have blessed us in the Lord are extremely important. And so I'd like us not just to focus on the people, but what they did and the importance of their service. And so the challenge here is that we see the servant credits, which should prompt us to relational service. Okay. Relational service. Uh, we're in a relationship with other believers, right? I mentioned that earlier. And so the rolling credits first point us to people who are loving encouragers. They are loving encouragers. And so just hang on here for a minute as we, we fill in this 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 passage or this this point. I just want to point out, again, Tychicus. It says he's a beloved brother. And he's sent to them so that they would know what's going on. Right? 
Why does he want them to know what's going on? So they could be involved in his ministry through prayer, right? So that they would know what's going on. (laughs) But he's also sent, this beloved brother is also sent to encourage their hearts. That is, Paul is still plugging away. He's still doing his best. And here, we want to bring this message, this, this letter to you from Paul, but also we have words to give you to encourage your hearts, that they may be encouraged in the Lord. We also see Anesimus, who is a beloved brother. He's one of their number. He was a slave from Colossae. He, he, you know, we have Philemon, the book of Philemon, right? So Philemon's slave. Is it the same Onesimus? We believe so. At what point in time? That's another question. We're not going to dwell on that right now, but what we do want to dwell on is that he's one of their fellow brothers in Christ, one of their own, and that salvation changes relationships, right? Therefore, he is loved. He's beloved. He's faithful. Okay, he's, he's more than faithful, and he should be accepted. He also is involved in letting them know what's going on. He's a part of the ministry team from Paul, but he is a man who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a brother in the Lord. We could say brother in arms for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so these brothers in Jesus are first loved by Paul and beloved by them, and they are returning to the Colossians to show Paul's love and their love to them, to encourage them. They have a great concern for them. And so I just think we need to ask ourselves some questions as we look at this. One, Do people know that we have a loving concern for them? Have they seen it this week? Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe it's just a word, hey, I... Or a text. I care about you. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm praying for you. Right? Right? I know our lives are busy. I mean, some of you are still facing, you know, from one weekend to the next, it seems like one kid or the next is sick. (laughs) Or we had to sell cattle. We had stuff go on, problems. Problems at work, problems at home. Problems all around when we look at them. Maybe it was a great day. I mean, yesterday was beautiful, wasn't it? You were able to be outside working. I just want to enjoy the the weather. But we need to ask ourselves this week, have I reached out? Have I been there? Have I encouraged someone? Another question, number two, right, would be who needs encouragement? Am I aware enough to know, oh, there's someone that could, maybe it's just a hunch. I believe if you're, you're walking with the Lord, you're spending time in prayer, uh, that you will be kind of aware that someone, met, whether they're having a difficult time or not, that the Lord puts on your heart, it might be a good indication to say, hey, 
not only pray for him, maybe you should reach out to him and say, hey, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? What's going on? The rolling credits, secondly, point us to people who are... um, And so, loving encouragers, I already talked about them being brothers, okay? So, I'm switching it up a little bit. So, these people are loved, first and foremost, but they're also people who love and encourage, but they're also our brothers, and they're brother bond servants. And here, I want you to especially look at, these people are people who were involved in the ministry along with Paul, along with Tychicus, right? He was a brother in Jesus, but also a fellow bondservant. That is, he obeys Jesus. Onesimus, who he was a beloved brother in Jesus. Aristarchus, he's a fellow prisoner. And maybe Paul met him in prison, but he's a believer. And he's there with Paul. And I think there's some encouragement from Aristarchus. Okay? But he sends his greeting because Paul cares about these people. He cares about them. Not just a how-do, right? But uh, I love you in the Lord. I'm a brother in the Lord. And you're not alone. Mark. Oh, we could spend a lot of time on Mark here, couldn't we? Barnabas' cousin Mark. Now, uh, it's interesting, the, the notes. I, I wonder if Paul at some point had let him know, well, I'm frustrated with Mark, you know, in the past. And there's speculation, has, have they already mended ways? I mean, they're together at some point here in this passage, or is he not there with Paul, but Paul knows he's coming to Colossae, and he wants them to embrace him as a dear brother? There's a lot of speculation. It seems like they've mended their relationship, that they've been reconciled. But he gives special information. Hey, he's a fellow bondservant in the Lord. Justice. Right? He's he's a fellow believer who also serves the Lord. And then it goes on to say, these are men of the circumcision, and so I believe they also are some of the only Jewish people, ministers, people engaged in ministry with Paul. Paul had a lot of un uncircumcised, that is, or circumcised, sorry, circumcised believe, uh, both believers and unbelievers who had disagreed with them. But here, these men are of the circumcision. These are men engaged in ministry along with Paul, their brother Jews with Paul, reaching the Gentiles with the gospel message. Epaphras, here again, who may have started the Colossian church, is a brother bondservant in Jesus Christ. That is, they're bound to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us think, you know, I have sold all my rights and I am sold in for Jesus Christ? My life is all about doing His will for His glory. I think we probably, I hope we have all been there at some point in time. We've all made a commitment to Christ. Have you? And how strong is that commitment today? I think every morning I need to get up and think about as I read through Scripture, as I'm uh, taking some time, Lord, I'm going to commit my day to you. Are we fellow bondservants 
in the gospel proclaim the excellent mercies of, of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. These men were not limited by the dangers or the trials of their faith. These men were not limited in their service by the dangers. They weren't limited by anything. So let's ask ourselves, if we are our, our brothers and sisters, if we're bondservants who are not limited by our own thinking, so here's, here's some questions, actually, that I'd like you to ask yourselves. What commitments or activities hinder my service of ministry? Am I, would I consider myself a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or does that come after? Does it come after some of my other commitments? Does it come after some of the activities I'm engaged in. What am I bound to that I shouldn't be bound to? Am I bound to the Lord or am I bound to things that are actually insignificant in light of eternity? doesn't mean everything that you do. I do some fun things. Maybe I'm bound to them. There's, there's, There's things that I've had to eventually let go that I like to do. There's things that I've let go for a time because of family that has come back and now I'm doing a lot more (laughs) because of a different stage of my life. But with all of those things, all those activities, do they hinder your commitment to Jesus Christ? So what am I bound to that I shouldn't be? Or we can flip that What is my commitment to Christ? Am I bound to Him? And so the servant credit should prompt us to to a relational service. That is, you should have this committed relationship to Jesus Christ which leads you into a committed relationship with others which is really we could describe as a ministry. But the rolling credits go on here, don't they? And they lastly point us to people who are fellow laborers. These are fellow laborers. And, and really, uh, that's a lot like what I just said. Brother bond servants. Maybe that's just a synonym to what I just said. But I want you to see that, that they're laborers in different aspects. Not just in that they're doing things. But look at Epaphras. He's, he's laboring earnestly for them. He's laboring earnestly for them in prayer that they would have confidence in Jesus Christ. That they would have confidence. That they would confidently stand in the will of God. That is, that they would know what God wants them to do and that they would be engaged in doing that wholeheartedly. So we have Epaphras. Okay? Then we have Luke, who's a physician who's called into ministry, he didn't go to seminary, okay, but he is engaged in special work, but that special work has led him down a different path that's actually in ministry. And so he has a, set, a, a unique set of skills that he actually can use for ministry. In that, when you look at the Gospel of Luke, 
They say he, he's more specific on some of the details. But God uses him. And he doesn't, and we don't know what the Lord did with him, but I'm sure he continued to use the skills that he had as a physician. But he used what he could to labor for the ministry of the gospel. He used those unique skills, I would submit to you, to continue to serve the Lord and labor in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, as we look through several more names here, Archippus is, is to continue on. Make sure you press on in your ministry. He has a ministry, so Paul's given a challenge there. We see that the, the, it turns from the people with Paul to those who are there near Colossae, near Laodicea, and, and its sister city, Hierapolis. Okay? And the people, their house churches, and I'm not, I wasn't going to take the time to describe what the house church looks like back then. We could suggest maybe 30 to 50 people in a home, but we do know there were not only a regular common home, but there were wealthy individuals. And so we look at this and say, well, the, we don't know if they were wealthy individuals who had their whole court. They had a house with a court in the center where they were able to meet, so it was more like a church that we would see today. Probably not a mega church, but where larger numbers could gather. But these were people who brought others into their home, and the church met together there in their home. Their home was only the church in the sense that the people who know Jesus as their Savior assembled together there to worship the Lord Jesus Christ but how hospitable they would have had to be. But also they were to share these letters back and forth and understand that we need to study and read these letters so that we can grow in the Lord. But the challenge here is that the the churches would press on to do the work of ministry. And and they, they must be engaged in understanding what is written to them and they must press on together. And then Paul ends it that he will continue basically to press on even while he's imprisoned. And so as we consider these last ones, I just want you to ask these last questions. Okay. How can I use my specialized gifts or skills for the Lord? You're like, I don't have a specialized gift, Pastor Lee. Oh, yeah. I think you do. And I think as you walk with the Lord, He gives you this desire to do something. That's what you use. Now, you may already have the skill, or the Holy Spirit may give you phenomenal ability beyond what you ever thought you could do to achieve what God is putting on your heart to do. Are you walking with the Lord? And, and sometimes it's not something you like to do. Sometimes it's something that's difficult, but you say, oh, this needs done. And so the number two, what ministry should I engage in? Now, I want you to do the things that you love to do, you feel like you're adequate to do, but sometimes we have to step up and fill a hole, fill a gap. And third, if you're saying, I, and that's not me, I see a, a gap there and I know the Lord doesn't want me there, well, have you been praying about it? He'll do one of two things. He'll say, no, you're wrong. Or he'll say, 
Yes, keep praying and he'll feel it. Or he'll say, no, you're mistaken. That's not a ministry that I want you to do now. So as we look at these end credits, I think we could delve into a lot more than we have this morning. But I just see a great wealth of information concerning a group of individuals who have relationships because of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for them. And not only do they have a relationship with one another and with this church, but they're all engaged together to encourage one another and to fulfill the ministry, the Great Commission. And I want you, I was hoping as we went through these that you would just think about what it is the Lord is wanting you to do, how committed you are, who, I mean, you may not see a ministry that we need to, you think needs done, but you may see people who need encouragement, who need help, who need a comforting word. That is a ministry, folks. So I want you to be praying about all of that and willing, I want you willing to step up and do what the Lord puts on your heart to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done and that you did not sit back and watch, but you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. And Lord Jesus Christ, you came and you ministered to so many people. We could see instances in Scripture where you were tired, but you went ahead and you reached out and you did the work. We also see times where you went off to pray, where you went off to spend time with the Father so you could be refreshed. I pray that each one of us is able to do that, but that in everything that we, uh, as we take it to prayer, to you, that we would be willing to boldly step forward and do what we can, knowing that Lord God Um, that's all you ask. Help us to be witnesses. Help us to be faithful to what you call us to. And please help us to be aware what it is that you want us to do, what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we have the young men step forward and take up this morning's offering for our missionaries that we support? Um, In that message... I want you to understand there's, there's a relational service. It's all about...